Hi, welcome back to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to all his amazing creative friends. Today, I'm at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors in Wappingers Falls, New York. I came here to witness the opening of Enfield Museum by my friends Alex and Allison Gray. And while I was here, I got to catch up with my good old friend Jennifer Ingram, who's a super cool art curator and part of the visionary art scene for 20 years, try for team represent. So this is going to be a deep dive into the history of visionary art, music festivals and the art scene and so much more. So I hope you enjoy. Blessings! good old friend and capturing you out here I actually um, interviewed you before 2008 for my documentary but the sound sucked and I couldn't use those clips so I couldn't include them but now I get you awesome in the super awesome podcast show um, how are you doing I'm really good actually um, I'm midstream, kind of taking a small break before a couple of really big shows uh, coming up at the end of the month and enjoying nature and friends and getting a recharge right now. So I nice. feel really good. You, what, what events are you doing soon? Uh, Sonic Bloom in Colorado and also the MAPS Psychedelic Sciences. We're doing a very large show. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Sounds exciting. Super. Wishing you the best there. Thank you. So here and now, where are we? We are at the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, Cosm, in Wappinger Falls in New York. And it's amazing and everyone needs to come. Where, why are we here? What, what happened yesterday? Well, it was the soft opening of um, Entheon. Of, that was the soft? I think it was soft. I think they want to do something I think there's rolling in, I think. I don't know, though. I feel like it was sort of soft. I mean, it was mega, but it was still like... They cut a ribbon. They did cut a ribbon, yes. Yeah. <laughs> they did cut a ribbon. They had Chris Dyer on stage on the panel. For me, that's hard. <laughs> I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, that was a hard opening. Uh, yeah. Heart yeah. opening. Heart, Heart opening. opening. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, it was a really full circle. I felt... Um, because uh, Roman and I and a lot of visionary artists made the trek for the opening in Chelsea, uh, New York, in the city in 2004, I think it was. And it was a really big deal um, to be a part of just knowing that that was going to come into this space. Mm -hmm. So that was just the beginning. Um, and to see that materialize into to this space was... Uh, I don't know, a lifelong dream for me myself. So, how was those days of the visionary art scene, 2004, New York City? 
It was very small, I felt, um, but growing quickly and attracting all the right people. And it seemed that we had this small uh, intentional group that really liked to be around each other and really wanted to sort of come together to do whatever we could to change the world. So wherever it had to happen, whether if it was in the concrete jungle or in the woods, that's what we did. Beautiful. How does it feel to come here so many years later and now Cosm is 40 acres with Enfield, a giant building with projections outside and tons of people coming through because it's super cool. It feels deserving and it feels right. And it feels like some of the, you know, all of this work for them, for us as a movement that someone's listening and that we are actually um, being heard because now we have a place for that to be um, immortalized. So in a sense, I mean, this is a museum, it's here forever if, if we want it to be in. And to know that it took, you know, 20 years to, to manifest, I don't know, it's, it's amazing. It mm -hmm. feels really solid. Like, oh, I made a solid career path to like support this vision and to know that these are sort of um, our elders in this and an example. And really like this is this could and shall be accepted in all major um, museums around the world. Mm -hmm. It's ironic how it's not like there quite yet, but you got to create that culture. That's right. Um, what's the importance of uh, Alex Gray becoming larger and larger as an artist uh, for the visionary art scene, but you know, in the world, like seems kind of like he's our representative, right? Bringing it to the whole uh, mainstream. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I feel like if when I'm um, was in college uh, at the university and at American University, if I was to ask some of my peers, like, have you heard of Alex Gray? Most people would say yes. Oh yeah, Tool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Alex. Or you know, so it's he's sort of a world bridger uh, within uh, visionary culture and. He's an example and he's really eloquent and he's educated and he's able to really capture all audiences, young and old. And I think that's super important for us because it's given us um, the opportunity to see and to actually live out what he's been speaking about because he's there sort of as open and willing to sort of help and guide, but also really live his true example and that's mm. so important and he doesn't stray from that everything that he said he's going to do he's doing it mm -hmm. and that is so important for us as a as a movement too to be like okay because alex not isn't going to be around forever but his legacy will and that's so important for me in in this movement for sure he's leaving a lot of medicine behind that's right and he's breaking a strong path almost a path so wide that, you know, like other artists are just like, damn, I gotta like do right. more work to like keep up. That's right. Um, so it's very inspiring. So for you, what's the meaning of visionary art? What's, what, what's the official definition or what's your definition? That's a really great question. I feel obviously, I feel like every artist that I have had the opportunity to work with is on a quest to sort of put some sort of 
other entity or spiritual path or some sort of otherworldly experience, but to be able to convey that on their canvas and be able to show somehow what it is that they're seeing or something they want to see, and that is to see healing and change and something beautiful. So I guess for visionary, my personal is, is it may sound cheesy, but community and like having some sort of like tribe and and really tapping into like this other source. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. It seems though that even though visionary art is growing in popularity, especially in like, you know, electronic music festivals sure. and hippie communities, spiritual circles, still it's not very talked about in the mainstream. It's not very recognized and it seems quite unappreciated in the world of museums and galleries. It's kind of like a little freak oddity on the side that really hasn't been like, hey, reality, let's put this on TV and in the movies because it's a really beautiful spiritual uh, record, artistic record right. of the spiritual progress of humanity at a, an important time of evolution. It seems like almost like it's being hidden almost purposefully, though that's me getting all conspiracy theorists on it. Right. <laughs> I mean... I I feel so, I mean, just in the last 20 years of the, I mean, we have gone leaps and bounds, Chris. Like, I feel like there's so many artists that have crossed over and had the opportunity to be in big galleries. And I mean, the the museum show in Mesa was massive and monumental. And I went to the opening for that. And crying and being just like, whoa, we, we're, we're getting there. We're, it's crossing over. So I, I feel like it's definitely not there 100%, but we're way closer. And with the, the research and psychedelics, you know, and the legalization and more of that, I think it's only going to continue to grow. And they're going to, I think, I don't want to say they, but like, uh, the art world is only going to come at us because we actually have something that is there's something to back it up it's not just pretty colors it's not just a, a, you know it's got meaning it has a ton of meaning and I feel like they're going to be looking to that once they have these really intense mystical experiences they're going to be like oh I saw that oh that's what you guys were doing oh now mm -hmm. I'm ready like and so they're going to want to capture that and, and be a part of that and have that in their spaces. So you feel like the future of this movement is not something to doubt, but just to have patience with, for yeah, people to catch up with. I do, but I also feel like there needs to be um, more professionalism. And it's it's something that I'm constantly um, grappling with within my own sort of, it's like, sure, we're, we're in an event space in the middle of the jungle, and we're trying to have this, you know, museum like show but it's hilarious because we're using bamboo sticks and you know like everything mm -hmm. feels very tribal yeah very gorilla gallery style and but still but taking it really serious and so yeah yeah we're gonna do it we are we're doing it yeah we're doing it so. nice it's happening yeah yeah beautiful so jen let's get let's let's get in a little bit of, of the roots um I know you for a long time. Do you remember more or less where we met? 
I feel like we met at Harmony Festival in 2005, five, four? Something five, like that. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure which one, but I was doing festivals with Satori Movement. That's right. And I went to Reggae on the River. That's right. I went to Seattle Hempfest. That's right. Harmony. And you were at all those festivals. That's right. Yeah, we were sort of like crossing past parallel, but we weren't synced at that point. That's right. You were another dreadlock mama yep. of the Humboldt County, uh, NorCal area. And uh, I knew you worked with art, but I wasn't even sure. I, I, I barely knew what visionary art was there. Like I knew by then this, this 2005. So I knew what Alex Gray was and I knew the vaults of Arrowhead. Mm -hmm. So yep. I knew a handful of other spiritual visionary artists, but I, I didn't know any like events. Yeah. Uh, and then through these reggae festivals, right. uh, I found that you're doing this interdimensional art show. And I joined the first one in 2006, even though you were doing them before. And eventually I traveled to Seattle where you were living in 2008. And I met other visionary artists yep. and I was incredibly uh, intimidated, uh, Savvy and Heskin and, and you met Del there and Aloria and Ishka, etc. And it was beautiful. A tipper performed That's for right. you. How many people performed, uh, like how many people went to that tipper show? Like it was maybe 400. 400 people. Max. Yeah, which is crazy <laughs> to hear today. Totally. Um, I was very inspired and I, the next year, 2009, I did the first visionary art show in Canada and Montreal right. using their interdimensional art show name. So Jen, tell us what is the interdimensional art show? So it began in 2003 and it was definitely Roman Viagrana, um, the um, sort of founder, co-founder of Tribe 13. It was sort of his vision of the uh, party at the end of time, you know, mm -hmm. to really like intentionalize all of these artists being interdependent, show, showing and showcasing what it is that they did and us showing all of the crazy parts, the fashion, the music, but mainly our number one focus was on the art. Mm -hmm. and, and the music was sort of a side sidebar of the show and we really just because everyone focuses on the music when you go to an event and the artist is kind of kicked to the side and we we flipped it and so when that first happened i mean we had chris kooksey we had martina hoffman robert venosa mm -hmm. alex and allison gray i mean so many people luke brown carrie thompson everyone came and zavi drove his painting on the top roof of his car like it, you know there's so oh. So many of us came together for the first time meeting each other in this space. And Jay Freed um, was really, you know, and uh, really just kind of put all of our heart and soul and built this gallery in Seattle. And Jay uh, was the sponsor. He, Jay, it was really him and Roman. And I yeah. was, you know, at the time, like I had two very small children. So I was like, Zion's in the sling. Naya's running around. Um, the terrazzo floor was there. We put a full page ad in Juxtapose magazine. Hands up, whatever works. We don't know who's, maybe no one will come, maybe one person, maybe 50. We don't know. 
We had like 1,400 people through the door. It was so crazy. I remember standing and looking past and the gallery was small in Seattle, very small. And just seeing a sea of heads, just open everyone. And I thought we did it, you know, like, okay, something's happening here. Something, cause this is the first time that this had sort of been put this style of art, Paul Lawfully, we had Paul Lawfully's piece, like. This uh, is the first time in North America that I, visionary <laughs> artists are brought together. Yeah, of this, of these people, of these the, people. Yeah. You this know, group this group and you know, Allison and Martina were the only women in the show. Mm -hmm. That was very interesting for me. So I'm like, where's all the ladies? Aloria wasn't part of it. Not yet? in the first one. No, Okay. no. So it was, uh, and that's when I really realized like, I need to find my ladies, like who's uh -huh. doing this and how am I going to empower them to, because it felt sort of like sausagey at the beginning. <laughs> And I and it still is that way. It is sort of a boys club. And I've worked really hard to give a platform for the ladies in the visionary scene. Uh-huh. Beautiful. Yeah. So would you say like Seattle is the birthplace of uh, North American visionary art? Or is just that's where the first parties were thrown? That in San Francisco, for sure. I think San Francisco was a major hub as well. Um, they were doing Synergenesis, Carrie and all of them with the frog, the frog, I think it was called Frogwood out in Mendocino Coast. There was, you know, Delvin would come down. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, uh, the Sunshine Coast was a hub. There was just so many little pockets of people creating these environments and we all would come together and then we'd spread out and we'd uh -huh. come back together. Right. So I don't know if I'd say Seattle, but it was a great meeting point for Still sure. like, uh festival center burning man tribe yeah i mean that was so in the beginning you know so in the beginning for so many of us uh-huh that, yeah. that's awesome uh so what is tribe 13. so tribe 13 i get this question a lot and roman really is the most perfect person to answer this question who is roman roman is uh again the co-founder of tribe 13 he's also the father of my two amazing children and i just want to do a mini shout, shout out, out to, your kids. to my kids uh naya and zion and also a major backbone of tribe 13 is justin heady monster it's super important to give him a thanks because he is a huge huge reason why we are even still operating to the level so roman and i um we met he was an artist i wanted him to paint my van my Volkswagen bus in 1997 and uh, shortly after we became pregnant and um, we started to travel and I said oh we're gonna need to uh, figure out how we're gonna feed these kids because we can't trade stickers for every meal this isn't gonna work so um, Tribe 13 kind of came together off of his original vision and that was there's 12 constellations there's 12 tribes there's 12 astrology you know um, there's 12, 12, 12, and then I think the biggest, apostles. yeah, it was like this whole thing of like the round table and then the center number 13 was creation. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what we always went by is that when you didn't belong or you didn't feel like you were in one of those certain sections that you were invited to tribe 13 because we're the misfits. We're the people who maybe someone didn't want to include, but you're included, believe it or not. So we just 
tried to provide that platform for everyone to be a part of. Nice. Yeah. And recently you had the 20 year anniversary of these Tri-13 Interdimensional Art Shows, That's right? That's right, yeah. Jay was there. Jay was there. Now that he's free again. Yeah, yeah, Jay was there. Big Galactic Gang supporter, thank you, Jay. Yeah, we for love sure. You. Roman was there. Um, Roman came to the um, the panel, but he didn't. He has a he has a new smart sort of smaller baby, so he was sort of was facilitating that at home. But he was definitely there, and he was felt, and it was amazing gathering, eye opener on a lot of levels because I haven't really thrown my own or our own sort of event in a long time. Definitely rusty. Definitely, whoa, I don't remember doing all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that work was pretty substantial. But then also, too, still doing other events and trying to balance that. It was it was challenging for sure. Yeah, but a nice uh, reunion. For sure. With friends. I wish I would have made it. I, I was know. already booked in, the, in Denver, but you had Android there. Yeah. Savvy yeah. made it. Yep. Amanda Sage made it. Autumn. Autumn Sky. Yeah, Autumn yes. Sky was there. That was great. It was really, really special for Aww, sure. So yeah. nice. I wish I could have made it for sure. Um, and also, Tri-13 at one point was also a gallery, right? That's right. Yeah, in Seattle we had we opened our first one, then we shut that down. Eventually we moved to California to Ukiah. Um, and we opened the doors January of 2010. We had that for around four years about, and it was a huge hub for visionary culture. We sort of was sister galleries with um, the Temple of Visions in LA, and kind of gave, it was a nice sort of woodsy experience for people in this, the city that wanted to come out and really kind of catch the culture and the vibes. And we were, re it was in a, impactful time you know there's we were in weed country great wine great it was just a really really powerful time at that particular moment maybe we were a little ahead of our time on some level sometimes I thought but it was what it it is what it was or it was what it is and it was really really special thanks to Patrick and Andrew O'Keefe uh-huh for holding it down. Alicia Keys. Yeah, Alicia Keys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many little, not little, let me back that up. So many important characters who no way would that have ever happened without them. So uh -huh. really special. And Chris, you had a huge show there in 2011. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It was so special. We had, you built a skateboard robot down the street. And it was, it was fun to have such a big gallery to do a skateboard robot, to build ramps That's with right. that skate shop. Uh, what's the name of the, who owned this? Freedom, and Justin, Justin, Justin. Capri, shout yeah. out. And uh, then we had, uh, uh, well, we had so many artists who came. That's and right. And then we got DJing from Jonathan Singer. That's right. And uh, it was just like a really good time, family reunion, still a, a scene building up. And I do also remember that that was the time where we found that that Robert Vernosa died. That's right. And uh, we went that day. You're like you were preparing for Burning Man, I think, for the first fractal nation. That's right. And you're like, I got to take a day off because I, I need to smell the flowers of life a little bit. And I've just been working. And we went with Mark Henson to a lake and not the kids. And we all just jumped in the That's right. lake to remember that we're alive. So 
very very beautiful time and thank you for having me over it was it was great to do that show so I believe, and I could be wrong, that you're the original curator and creator of visionary art galleries at festivals. Maybe art galleries at festivals in general. I, I don't know the history of music festivals and their relationship with uh, visual galleries, but at least with visionary art, I believe you're the first one who brought galleries to Shambhala Festival in That's Canada yes. and Jim and Jam. And uh, what else? Uh, Envision, Boom, Earth, Earth Eclipse. Well, we, Earth Dance. So I think that was our first. Um, Chris Decker actually was a dear friend um, of Zavi's. They lived in Ashland at the time. Or actually, I think he was in San Francisco. But basically, he was like, hey, I, I love what you guys are doing. I'm watching you. I see what's happening. Would you like to bring some live painters out to you know, to earth dance. And I said, okay. So I asked Luke, he traveled all the way down from Canada. And I, you know, put this huge, crazy lineup together. I had little bios printed and laminated on the inside. And we were given this. I said, okay, we'll do it. I'll schedule it. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to do this. Cause I, I believe in this is what an opportunity paint mm -hmm. live on stage. So Roman had been doing that before with sound tribe. So I was familiar with live painting on stage but not to the level of like asking for a place to show the work mm -hmm. like before they the, him and chris d chris davidson and jay garcia they would paint but there there wasn't a, a, a place for them to actually show their work so i thought hmm all right let's do this but let me have like this little small area well they gave us this red circus tent they put us in the back dirt alley like crazy it was so dusty it was, i i think it took me like two weeks to recover from that the little this like construction light was in the center of the space it was so hard to see any of the art and we were so grateful mm -hmm. we were so grateful to have this opportunity and so many people we couldn't stop selling art on sunday monday people were like no 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 we're like no we have to leave we have to go like we're this is like We've been here, where were you all weekend? No, just kidding, but like here, so we had to, and we kept meeting people and then we got invited back and then we got to, I was like, okay, we can do this again, but we need to be in the bowl. Like we need to be with the people. Like this was like the parking lot basically. And you know, I love the parking lot. I love the lot scene, but I wanted us to kind of have like a little bit of an upgrade. Mm -hmm. And from there, we were invited to Shambhala in 2003 as well. And the very first time we did that, and I'm not, exaggerating it was me roman david huskin i think one other person and they gave us a rope a hemp rope and i hung all their originals on a hemp rope no cover no tarp oh, nothing damn. it was on the open air open air damn it's like laundry it felt like that and if, i would love to find a photograph from that because it was I was like, never, I mean, never again, but we did it. We, that was what we had. That was what we were given. And we built that up over the years. And so, yeah, I mean, and to see what it's evolved into, there's galleries all over the country now going and around the world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like the hunger. I don't know if you've ever been to a Soren hunger. I haven't, I haven't, but I've seen, it's like two stories. That was it's always like my dream. It's like three or four story temple that wow. goes around and has sculptures in the middle. 
and like really nice, still wookie, but you know. But amazing. But amazing yeah, and, yeah. and permanent too. Yeah. Like they keep it and they build like every year. Um, so you've done probably tons of festivals yep. by now, all of them, if anything. Yeah. Uh, what's the blessings and what are the struggles and challenges of doing these um, galleries in the middle of nowhere, at electronic and hippie festivals? So the blessing, the number one blessing is depending on the amount of people, it's quality over quantity regardless the fact that you have let's say you have three to ten thousand focused participants that are coming to this event who can come back all weekend long and see your work in this gallery that we've set up you might have an opening in the city and you are happy if 400 people come that night okay mm -hmm. you are stoked and then maybe they'll come for the closing maybe if you're lucky Maybe they'll look online, but when you've got 10,000 folks that came, that volunteered, bought a ticket, and now you have this environment that they can come and feel safe and check this out, come back, leave, do whatever they want. And to have that experience, to see your work in that environment, I'll do that for the rest of my life. To know that that is an, an opportunity for people to, to get their hearts blown open. Mm, so that would be my blessing, I think, is to just know that there's this safe space that we've helped create where people can come and, and also be inspired and think, hey, I can do that. Because you might not feel that in a traditional gallery setting where you're like, oh, it's a little stale. Someone's like, I don't, I don't really look like that lady or that guy or maybe, I don't know, it's going to close in 50 minutes. You know, like you don't, maybe you got there late. I don't know. But so this is an environment that is really welcoming and they want to be there and they want to see the work. Mm -hmm. So uh, hardship, I would say sometimes not having the right budget to really, you know, fund the artists who are included. I think that's my biggest hardship is I wish I could pay everyone everything that they needed to make it uh, feasible for them to be there. Uh, also, just the limitations of my own sort of like not having all of the proper material or a van or the all these things, the challenges that come with like doing something really from the heart and just, I think it, it really comes down to like the budget. Uh-huh. You know? and, and you're showing up with two suitcases many times. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, or even one. Yeah, a backpack full of lights and being like, all right, I hope the artists bring what they're told me they're going to bring. Uh -huh. <laughs> That's really the truth. You know? Is there like a festival that's like your favorite that you've done throughout time, something that sticks out, or they're all special for different reasons? You know, that's a great question. I think my favorite, well, I have a few. I think one of my most favorites was in Australia mm -hmm. at the Eclipse 2012. That was um, awesome. Shout out to Lisa and Marty for that. And I don't know, I, I think just a culmination of so many things and just the people that were there and the space was gorgeous. We had these amazing Japanese artists who who did the decor and just connecting with them and their sort of story. and you know, the language barrier of all these international people coming together to create this space and, you know, really working with a lot of people I'd never worked with and just it all working out mm -hmm. and just the energy of the eclipse. And I don't know, it was 
one of my career highlights for sure. Nice. Um, Happy I was part of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 2013, um, I think uh, Fractal Planet, we had an insane collection of art and just, I don't know, peak, peak moment, peak life experience, I think. Just the players who all put that together and just knowing that that was possible. Fractal Planet is in Burning Man? Yeah, it was in Burning Man. We had the corner, we had Tipper, we had all tons of international boom. People came to sort of collaborate with us. We had, you know, the South Africans came from Daniel Popper, like all these people, like uh -huh. just these mega, mega creatives and sort of like the best. And we just shared the most intentional thing we could possibly do. Even though it was temporary, it was really impactful. That's awesome. Yeah. So with curation, you got to pick a lineup of artists. Uh, at the beginning, as you said, it was a small group yeah. of perhaps 10 artists. Yeah. Then it was 20, then 30. Now it's like hundreds, maybe even thousands of artists who want to be part of the visionary art movement. Yeah. And you got to pick a handful for each event and festival. And sometimes they're your friends. Sometimes you got to leave people out. Yeah. You, this is a spiritual movement and you want to make everybody feel loved and included and Correct. part of this thing that we're doing together. Yet, you got budget limitations, you got yeah. space limitations, you got uh, parameters. And I imagine you make yourself, I want to say enemies because that's a strong word, but like some people might be unhappy with you. Um, oh, for sure. What's, <laughs> what's not, your not sensitivity funny, but... as a Pisces to be in that position? I mean, I guess I sort of chose this experience by being a curator. I also have softened quite a lot in the last few years just because I feel we have about a thousand artists on our, just our, our small email list, just artists, not anyone else, right? I, I went through it recently in the last year and was like, whoa. I never thought in my living life that I would have access to a thousand artists and actually know every single one of them and be able to be like, hey, I'm thinking about this show, you know, you want to come. You know, a lot of times though, Chris, I think with the, the, the choosing or the selection or the curation, these are applications. Anyone can apply. Mm -hmm. And if you don't apply, I may not know you're out there. Mm -hmm. So I always say apply and be really, in, you know, impactful with your application. It's a, such an important, don't send me dead links or, you know, different things. Cause then I'm just like, ah, let me find someone who actually knows how to fill this out. And I know that mm -hmm. sounds sort of funny, but it's real. And um, I think too, with um, the selection process, I have really, I go with heart a lot too, these days, really trying to figure out ways to like, encourage this next round of visionary artists um, that maybe haven't painted live at a festival. Maybe this is, if I don't give them a chance, they might stop painting and be like, ah, this isn't for me. But if I, you know, help encourage that that's a possibility for them and see like, give them a couple chances. Hey, maybe this will be their life path. I don't know, I'm not there to decide that. And so it's it's sort of important for, for the, the process to like, be open to, you know, what, what someone wants to share, because I might not like everything that I put
put in the show sometimes, but I also go with a whole picture. It's like an entire process instead of it just being, because if I didn't know if it was just the art and I didn't know if it was a man or a woman or, you know, I, I don't know. And so I, I feel like if I'm just judging by the art, I do like to read people's stories. I like to really look at what they've created, what they're looking for, what they're trying to create. What's their long-term vision? Is this just for a free ticket? Is this, is this really because they don't know what else to do? Like mm -hmm. I wanna, I'm, I'm, I'm open to all of those things and that's sort of what visionary culture is about. It'd be good to know the intention because like some people just wanna be cool. It's that's like, right. oh, I wanna be cool and people look up to me, but well, I don't really care to do any spiritual work and that's this right. just looks spiritual, but you know, I just wanna party and do drugs at a party. <laughs> yeah, and, and I really sort of try to, I don't know, though, that everyone's- How can you judge that? Yeah, really? we're all trying to be better, grow, I right. think. I think so. So that's, it's been challenging, but, and because there's so many things, I also try to look at um, geographically, locally. It's important when you're going to another place, for example, like Jim and Jim, um, you know, see a huge show and it's in Arizona and there's so many local Tucson artists. And I try to really think about, okay, I'm in your town. You know, this is, you live here. I want to make sure I give you, I highlight you because this is where you're at. And, and then that just grows and, and they're, they're going to bring their friends and they're going to, their friends are going to celebrate them and just really try to, you know, diversify within the local community also. It's so important. So does the client who hires you for their event to curate ever have an influence? For example, does Tipper and team say like, oh, you must have these artists as part of the show, but we don't want these artists for or, sure. or is it like, just do what you think is best for sure yeah especially in the beginning it was a lot of like because it was a lot smaller um people would definitely influence um many 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 times uh i'd get a okay so um they're gonna live paint so you're gonna need to put them in the gallery or and i'm like whoa i i've never showed their work i don't know how they navigate are they gonna show up are they like what's their work ethic like just because they're your friend okay. And I have to sort of like navigate that in a lot of, that happens all the time because it's their event and I am a hired participant. So, you know, it's, it, I'm a contractor, so I have to like abide by those. I also do say sometimes, Hey, this might, you know, it's not exactly my favorite thing, but okay. I'll find or figure out a way to display them in a way that feels, you know, ethically good to me and then also the overall show experience. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Sure. Yeah. You got to compromise. That's right. All jobs got compromised. Like when you get hired to do something, sometimes I don't agree with the client, but I want to make him happy. That's right. And also I'll flow with it and I'll give my opinion sometimes too. And, and they're like, well, I don't care about your opinion. I still want it this way. It's like, all right, you're the one who's paying. That's so. right. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel like guilty or sad or go to bed feeling like, fuck, I you know, I just encouraged an artist or people are mad at me because I didn't make him happy. Like this, this is this something that uh, impacts you emotionally, this job? Yeah, I mean, I would say a few years ago, I would definitely get some like, you know, emails of sort of distaste, like because they weren't included or, oh, you, you know, I, it's funny because I don't get that as much these days because 
there's so many shows, there's so many arts, there's so, if you didn't like exactly what I did, you can find another space that'll probably bring you on if you're good. And mm -hmm. so I'm not the only one out there, luckily, to get that pressure, but um, yeah, I w there's a few, I got a few kind of funky calls at some points or emails, and then I'd be like, all right, get on the Skype, let's have a conversation. You think I'm elitist and I'm only booking my friends? Well, these are, this is all I got, there's, apply. Yeah. You know, people attack, oh, you don't represent enough this or that. I'm like, they didn't apply. I don't, I can't, like, I got a million friends that I'm, or people and artists, and if, if you don't apply, I don't know you're out there. And I really do look through all of the applications. There's hundreds of them. When you look into these forms and applications, does uh, sex matter to you? Like, if they're boy or girl or identify in a different way? or you're just looking at, at the quality of art? I don't really look to see if it's a man, a they, a woman, or I don't look at what that is. I really look at how great the art is, but I also do notice or know when I look at a website or an Instagram, okay, well, this person's identifying as a, a female, and I'm always trying to figure out a way to big up the females. That's so important to me. I think I've really stated that over and over and over. And, you know, we even did that, this is something that was a really big deal. We did it at Tipper and Friends um, last year, uh, 2022. And we didn't announce it like that. I didn't want it to be a huge focus. I just, these are the artists. I booked them. They happen to all be female. And, uh, but that wasn't the huge, you know, it was, it was a focus, but also in a different way. So we get there. I've got all these artists, you know, in the, in the main area, the main bowl, and they're all set up. And I look over and there's probably 30 other artists that weren't invited that are renegade, which I bless your heart, renegade artists. But it was a really, I cried. I was actually really sad because it was all, I felt like all this work we had done had sort of kind of just, it wasn't such a special thing. And I didn't know how to really convey that to all the renegade artists that were there in a way that they would understand. Cause A, it's, it's Tipper. Like you're there celebrating your favorite artists and everybody's like, you know, being showcased in it. Why should it matter? Like, let's just, you know, let's paint, let's party. What's the deal? Like, so here, that was a, a very big challenge for me. So I spoke with my, you know, my organizers and said hey let's let's figure out a way so we can make everyone happy in this and we made a huge change this year and we opened it really far up and let everyone apply and gave you know featured our artists and then we gave other people an, an, a space to paint and I think it worked really well not a ton of complaints but it also you know it, it's a it's a really tricky thing because how can you tell someone not to be creative and if they're an artist, they want to paint. I'm going to tell you, oh, you're not on the lineup. Do you ever have to go out there and be like, oh, yeah. you're a renegade painter. You're not supposed to be painting or maybe there should be like a open painter designated area. Right. So we did that at Tipper this year and it did work. It was super challenging. There's a couple people I had to shut down and I don't, it's such a hard thing. It makes me cry kind of because I'm like, who am I, you know? But I'm also like, hey, these artists trekked all this way. They've created this experience for themselves. They took time off, whatever they're doing, 
Let's make them special. This is a big deal. This probably changed some of their lives forever. And if I don't give them that platform that they are on this bill and they're booked and they're there, this space to be special, then, you know, you're not, I don't know. It, it's such a huge thing for me, but I also am like, I'm so conflicted. And, and you being an artist yourself, like how do you, I don't want to turn anyone down, but I also, I don't know. So yeah, having that open space, I think that's the answer. I did want to say one other thing though. I do look at the fact that there's a lot of things that are changing within visionary culture. A few years ago, I feel like there was, we didn't have a lot of representation of, it, it seemed sort of, uh, I should say, this is sort of a white um, experience, I think a very, can be. And now we have like so many different it's becoming more diverse because we're reaching so many more people and mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't think it's like purposefully like, no. let's make this movement and let's only be this race. It's just, I guess like people started doing it and now as it grows, other races could be like, oh, this resonates with me right. and then they get on. It's kind of like skateboarding. Sure. At the beginning, skateboarding was like a very white thing. And now there's tons of black skaters that are fucking crushing the whole That's scene. Right. But at the beginning, they might have been like, hey, why are you skateboarding? That's only for this. Like all these limitations that we create ourselves. Right. But there's n never was an intention of excluding. So it, it, it's open. And right. if you're a good painter, you're a good painter. That's right. And it doesn't really matter. If anything, the whole vibe of the movement is let's have all races come That's together. Right. 100%. Yeah. And, and sexes and, and sexual variety. That's Actually, right. Actually, I didn't really even know many uh, gay visionary painters to recently. I think uh, Alex Polanco, I met him here at Cosm. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're, you're like a gay visionary artist. <laughs> and now there's like this whole tribe of uh, North Carolina. Yeah, represent. Uh, yeah, and visionaries. And I love that. And I want, I try to, you know, be as, as you know, include everyone. And I'm so happy. Uh -huh. I'm so happy to have all, because before it was, it just wasn't, it's not that it was not, in, no one was invited. It just yeah. wasn't there. And it now it's there. there. And so yeah. let's celebrate that. Totally. And I'm so excited. It's been really, really awesome to That's see awesome. the progression of come on down, everybody. <laughs> right. And yeah, once again, uh, I commend you for your role. Sometimes I've had to be curator. Like uh, when I worked for Creation Skateboards, I had to curate who would get a graphic. And I knew some artist friends who wanted their skateboard graphic. And I was just like, I just don't think uh, it's it's not even like you're not good enough. It's just not the vibe, right? Because this it, it, the, the the skateboard brand that I'm curating has a certain vibe and it has to resonate with skaters. And if I go too off yeah. my demographic that I'm trying to you're target, right. it, it, it won't sell and it will flop and the whole thing falls apart. Right. So I just gotta kind of like be smart. So I commend you on your role where you have to make hard choices and make some people unhappy sometimes and. Hopefully everybody will be included at some point and we take turns. Yes. And I myself, sometimes I'm like, ah, I wish I got invited to Tipper and Friends. But then I'm like, well, let everybody else do that and I'll do something else. I've been to so many shows and what does it matter? You know, the next year goes by and everybody forgot what, who went to what. That's and... what I'm saying. There's so many shows. Uh -huh. And again, it really has to do with apply. You have, I and myself and other people that are curating, if you don't apply, I have so many people, oh, you didn't, I'm like, huh, I didn't see your application. Uh -huh. Or you didn't hit me up. 
yeah. send me a text. Let me know you're out there. And I usually am pretty perceptive to that and being like, okay, there's a couple people hit me up for a bicycle day. And I was like, dude, come on down. Yeah. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna, this is awesome. Uh -huh. I want you to be here. But I sometimes just don't know because I have so much on my plate. It's right. not personal. I think the older artists like myself are not used to applying. Because back in the day, you, 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 we were so few, <laughs> we would yeah, get just invited. Know. It's like, yo, we're having a jam. The the same sure. you know, the same old clan, let's do this. Of course you're you're in. Now that there's so many, uh, I, I applied for my first festival this year. I applied for Secret Dreams because I, 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 I like the music and I like the other artists that are included there. So I filled up a form and it's like what festival have you done? Oh I've done Boom sure. and Rainbow Serpent and uh, yeah, everything. And, and, and right away Gavin hits me up, it's like, Oh awesome, let's let's make this work out. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I'm doing that. <laughs> and you know, and that is a, it's a funny, that is a true thing. I do have sort of like an original roster, but I also feel like too, it's like, yes, you have to be a little more picky, pick, pick and choose what you're doing. You're Chris Dyer, Zobby's out painting huge buildings. I can't get him to just come to anything. It's, we've evolved so much. We've all gone our own direction. Exactly. Too. And, and that's okay too. That's amazing. That's what we've been working for. Mm -hmm. So I do feel like, you know, some of the like the shows that we're traveling to these. It's not that they're not important because they're super important, but I do feel like it would be nice to have a legacy wall or a wall that's like, hey, this is because I so my favorite example is we were in we did the Mars one uh, poster drop at Tipper a couple years ago and everyone's in line. There's a thousand people in line. And I thought, OK, I want to kind of just like assess the vibe and see what's happening. And a couple of people were in line and they're like, yeah, this looks just like the Apex Collective. Whoa. And I was cracking up because I'm like, man, if we don't go out, all of you, and yeah. make these statements and come out, you know, and that, hey, that's amazing. Like, look, you know, these are the, Mars has to go out, Apex, everybody has to keep moving. It's and just you, a different scene. That's right. It's, so, it's changed so much. And right. so that we have to, you know. So for those people who don't know what that, what she just mentioned, uh, Mars One is from Furder, which are the original artists that created that style, and Apex came later with their own equation of that style. Sure. So it's kind of like ironic that because these OGs just stay in their basements doing crazy paintings and selling galleries, they don't go out to the festivals. Right. But the Apex do go out to a right. different place. And it, and it, and when people kind of come into the scene, you have to remember too, that's what they think that's what the scene is. And so we, as the old schoolers, we have to keep being, you know, on the front lines to keep recreating that. Like, hey, this is super important. Or do we? Or maybe it's okay to pass it along, you know, and, and pave the way. So have a little it, it, bit of both. And that's where we can, you know, communicate about the importance of going back to school to get my art history degree and get my master's and really trying to take and bump festival galleries and, you know, traveling galleries into the next level. Because at first we were really just trying to have a place because we weren't being accepted into the white wall environment or into these traditional spaces. And we were like, screw it then, we'll just do our own. Mm -hmm. Which works and we love that, but we want it all. I think we need to be in all places for us to really push this movement away, along. Well, in order for this movement to be respected as a proper art movement to be put in the museums uh, and become part of history, I think it has to be recorded better. Uh, yes. That's one of the 
intentions of this humble little podcast show uh, to capture uh, fragments in time with the people who are part of the history. Right. And I would like to see more books and more people yes. getting down in the professional avenues to say, like, this is who Furder is. This right. is who Apex is. Right. This is who Chris Dyer is. This is who whatever other cartoony looking artist is. And, you know, of course, let's pass it along. It's different. Different times call for different generations to come and shine. Right. Like Furder is shining and making the big bucks in galleries. Awesome. They don't have to go out there and sleep in a tent. That's like right. the younger generation still have to go right, and, and pave and the earn, way. Yeah, earn yeah, their stripes yep, that's and right. stuff. And you know, perhaps I also live a comfortable life. I don't want to go to like you know festival so much, and then the new generation of cartoony visionary artists go and. Sometimes people will be like, oh, your art looks like this kid. And I was like, yeah, because he was my fan and now he's becoming big. <laughs> totally, totally. And, and, and I just got to be like, chill out your ego, That's Chris. Right. That's you right. don't own anything. You inspire people and now it's growing. That's right. But a part of me would like to for it to be like recorded like, oh, like I right. started this style like 10, 20 years ago. And now there's a whole branch of Visionary Art that's, that's right. being created. It would mean a lot if, you know, people knew their roots and, but that's just my ego and perhaps I should just not give a fuck and just do my thing and Eric and else do their thing too. Well, I think, and that's kind of why we're, we're talking about this is because we do think it's just important more ways that we can get this information out in every, every facet through podcasts, through a book, the more we, through research papers, through whatever, movies, documentaries, yeah, however. Proper and really, art documentary. Yeah, like really just reiterating this conversation and having a place for all of the, the historical timeline to be outlined. That's when someone's going to say, oh, well, actually, that's this. This is Mars One, actually. That's not the Apex Collective. And Thank God Mars was here to inspire the Apex Collective. And now look what the Apex Collective is doing for this next generation. Yeah. So like really just giving the knowledge and giving a place for that. So I uh -huh. think that's something that, you know, I really want to be a part of and, and focusing on. However we can do that, I think we just have to keep conversing and, and really making it happen. Well, you're going to school now. You're going to university. You're working on a master's, I believe? Yeah, right on now. On what topic? Art history, um, because I think it's super important to create a space for visionary art and culture. And I've, I really think it's important. I am on a sort of a sabbatical right this second due to some really large shows. I took some time off. It was a little challenging to... Uh, go to school during the pandemic. Where were you going? In American University in DC, Washington DC. Mm -hmm. I moved across the country um, in 2001. I'm since back in um, California, but I did a full semester and I have a little bit left to go and it was amazing experience and also very challenging because a lot of my professors were like wait what are you doing even though they're very open and they let me in off of my based off of my research so it wasn't like I came out of nowhere I think they just a lot of my professors were the same age as me and my student or the students that I went to school with you know they'd never worked in a gallery or done a show or you were experienced very and in it but in a different way not in academia but right. also in in the field right. so and you're talking about an art movement that nobody has really recorded before and you know they might know alex gray but 
that's it, you know? And, and I tried to be like, well, it's sort of similar to like the Surrealist, but not really. Or like this, or they're like, oh, the Visionary Art Museum in Baltimore, you know? Mm. And I'm like, no. Mm. So it was really hard because there's just <laughs> not a great way to showcase this movement yet. Uh -huh. So we have, this Entheon is such a, I feel like, okay, Ooh, it's gonna we get put yeah. in the door with yeah, this. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. This is just <laughs> the beginning, and I feel like because this is here, it's going to give us this brand new platform to just push, and really like show an example that this is yeah, this is sort of like okay, yeah, I don't know. Just being inside of there, the inspiration, just the wallpaper and the floor and the this and all. I just I'm like the details, mm -hmm. so important. So. so are you uh, aiming on getting a master's yeah. and for that you have to write a thesis? Yeah, you do. And it would be on the American, well, I get, I mean, so it's so hard because it's, when you do America, you're dealing with, you know, the American America, you know, it's uh -huh. like Canada, you know, like it's not necessarily, I'm an Americanist or something. They, right. they make you choose. Like it's so, I'm like, but you we can't just say North America, Mexico, Canada, and United States. You can, but well, particularly for that school. Uh -huh. Okay. So that's sort of why I was in a, in a place where I'm like, I don't know if I can just say that. Like I, cause I, we were inspired by so many people in Europe, so many people in Peru, but so many, there's just, it's right. so, it's because international. Visionary art is the art of the heart of the universe. That's right. That then springs out all around the world and to just try to conceal it in like, okay, this country without recognizing the resonance of the worldwide movement. And is also limiting. the, yeah, exactly. And also just the other applications or inspiration or whatever, different forms of communication. So yeah, it's been sort of, um, so I sort of put it on pause and I've been working on my appraisal license so that I can appraise visionary art. And cause that's something that is sort of lacking at the moment. I don't feel like, I don't know. Have you ever had any of your art like professionally appraised? Not really. I just make up the prices from the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have uh, receipts of things that have sold. Uh -huh. So that is a proof of your, you know, value that you've created for your work. So it's not necessarily, you're not making it up, you're basing it on what somebody gave you in exchange for this piece of art. Right. So there's, you know, fair market value, there's all these different things. And so I've been really interested in sort of like, okay, if I don't get, you know, into this like sort of thesis and all of this process, I want to at least figure out the way to place more value within this movement through, because people are buying your work, people are buying the art, and I want to be able to encourage more sales if I could give them and give them more value for what it is that their investment is mm -hmm. worth. Well, thank you for uh, investing time, money, effort to come and validate yeah. our humble little spiritual art movement. I hope you pull it off. <laughs> and will be one of the professors that are out there, like Ariane Bade yeah. is another one. She was Amazing. also part of the show and she dips a foot in the visionary world, right. a foot in the lowbrow world. We got Ben Ridgway. Yep. He's also a professor That's of right. animation of University of San Francisco. And uh, hope to convince him to get on the show one day, but he's kind of shy because mm -hmm. You know, yep. visionary art is tied in with psychedelics That's and right. the psychedelic experience. And uh, it seems like when you want to be a professor, when you want to be in the world of the legit, you know, 
universities and information, drugs shouldn't be part of it. But here you're bringing in a movement that involves quote unquote drugs or medicines. Uh, do you think that would disqualify you from bringing this movement of art to be validated? Like, does that get in the way, the fact that uh, entheogens or psychedelics or medicines are I part think of it? it did. I don't think it does anymore. Mm -hmm. I just don't see that blockage, the barrier. I think with, I'm just so excited for psychedelic sciences to come up in this 10,000 plus, you know, person conference and to be able to showcase and share with what everyone's been working on and the legalization and these different components, I feel like it's like the perfect storm. We've been working so hard and and it's right. like, so why wouldn't these places accept what we're doing? If you're gonna accept that, you know, like Michael Pollan and all these shows and all the, you know, uh, there's just so to many- change your mind yeah. is huge on and Netflix. And you can see why psychedelics is not the demon. It's actually healing. And yeah. why has it been kept down just because of the Babylon system yeah, agenda? So I, so I feel like the more people that come out and take these these ways to share and, and just keep going and pushing, because I don't think that's always been my super focus, but I know it's there and I want to, I don't, I don't want to be scared of like that that component of it but I also no I think it's only going to grow mm -hmm. I don't and I think that to be on the forefront of this movement and then also within academia that's exciting mm -hmm. that's exciting because they're going to be ready to ask these questions and if some of us don't take that sort of path or role then 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 it just becomes and it sticks stays in this sort of flaky experience and I'm right. not no we don't want to be a bunch of flaky no. stoned out hippies no. And I feel like the fact that visionary art has been taking so long, not so long, it's been like what, like 15 years, uh, maybe in 20, I guess 20 since the, your first interdimensional art shows. And it's grown a lot and there's still lots of room to, for right. growth. But us in that time have also been growing right. as artists and we've been learning how to talk about the movement, right. talk about uh, psychedelics and our own personal experience. We've had time to make mistakes, learn That's from right. the mistakes, keep on growing. So then if one day we actually do have to hit the worldwide That's right. uh, mainstream platforms, we're ready to do it in a, the most professional way possible. I think so. That brings healing for everybody and not just be like brushed to the side of some stupid thing. So with this whole thing where you're becoming uh, more learned and studious and entering the world of galleries and museums, I got to say, from a personal opinion, and you don't have to agree with this, but the world of galleries and museums seems very confusing and frustrating to me because many times it's not about how good the work is, but just like some people decide, like, oh, well, this is the great new artist, and everybody gets hyped up, and and then everyone's like, oh, well, then we all got to buy it, and all the yeah. collectors chase it, and sometimes the collectors don't even care about the work, no. or even find it pretty. They just buy it because they're buying some kind of, like, status. Right. They're buying something they can invest and then flip later on. It's just, like, so not what I feel sh should, or, like, is the real reason why somebody buys art. For me, if somebody buys art, it's like, oh, this inspires me and touches my heart, right. even my mind, but does something to my soul that I want to see it on the wall and relish in it. Not, 
okay, I'm buying this thing because I've been told by the, the official curators that this is the next new thing. So you're joining that world. Uh, I don't know if you agree with it or if you're against it, but if you feel there's room for improvement, will you have to play that game in order to Trojan horse into a system? And once you're in and respected, then try to change the equation to something of true essence and value. Yeah, I think um, based off of sort of like integrating into Art Basel, you know, in Miami, it's been uh, such an amazing experience, like over the years, watching the progression of visionary culture sort of, you know, scoot in there and sort of, you know, we will go to the big convention center and be like, why is this bag of popcorn in the corner 150 grand? And this person, just Mark Kenson dedicated his whole year to this painting that's this big. And it's, you cry and you, you can't imagine like, I don't, so yes, it's so intense and in how to integrate into that. I feel like that's just, we just have to keep pushing along, creating, if, if it's gonna be there, I think it's just, we have to have a balance because I do believe we have to integrate into to both experiences, whether it's in an environment that's guerrilla fe festival sort of environment or in the art world and these art fairs. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm going to buy into like, oh yeah, I get this because this is popular and it's gonna make you money later on. Uh -huh. But I definitely think about the value and what, what pieces of art are going to be sustainable for a collector all the time because I've seen a lot of people come in and out of this scene and once they didn't achieve exactly what they were hoping for they sort of fade out and so in any art movement so I think that it's interesting to be on the other side on the curation side and be like okay and that's really you know sort of that's more of the business and economic side of it but so I, I think it's just being open and being receptive and also studying what's um, happening in the traditional art market and art world. I listened to a podcast the other day and it was telling me something that completely, um, the art like the art world, I think is like the economy of that is like $38 billion is spent on art a year. Mm -hmm. And of that 38 billion, what is it? Eight billion is made through Instagram, right? Like through, Instagram, people meet people or, oops, it's good. And meet people, you know, you find collectors or whatever. And I'm like, holy, that is a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, it's like, do we necessarily need to go to these art markets and things like that, you know? Right. So, this is my next question. Yeah. And it goes along with that. It's like, does visionary art have to get in the big galleries and museums in order to be valued? If enough people, like, sometimes I'm like, are we doing ourselves a disfavor by being in all these music festivals and hippie events because it looks kind of like rustic and then it, it gets that vibe and people are like, oh, no, 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 they're not part of the system. Or that's where we actually reaching more people than right. the people who go to these stuffy galleries right. that maybe they have money, but fuck the money. We're still going to be doing the art. Like yeah. this whole thing that you just mentioned some artists come and go but the real ones are going to keep on that's doing right. it money or not that's because right. that's what they were born to do that's and right. they will persist 
And probably those are the ones who will succeed in the end because like 20, 30 years on the line, it's like he's still going at it and he's still improving and, you know, he right. will be valued sooner or later that's because right. of it. Yeah, because that is your life. That's your like. That's your legacy. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I should say it does. it's a disservice to do festivals. Is it a disservice to do, a, you know, a a stuffy gallery or an art market or, or you know I mean a, an art show that's within you know the LA art scene I did freeze in February freeze in LA I was blown away I was so inspired mm -hmm. such what is freeze I guess they've been doing it for a really long time it's a lot of like big galleries from all over the world they come and they but it's just different it's an art fair it's an art fair okay but it's it feels I don't know. I was really blown away by the quality of the work. I mean, some of the best art that I've seen and it was visionary and it was psychedelic and it was normal and fabric and all these different things that were happening in that space. And people come from all over the world for this and it felt authentic to me. It didn't, because there's other art fairs happening at that time and I didn't necessarily feel that way about them as I did about this. Mm -hmm. So. If you have an opportunity to ever check that out, I think it was worth it. And Sounds good. Yeah. So obviously you like art yeah. other than visionary art. Yeah. You like all kinds of art. Yeah. Do you feel, what do you feel is more important? Art that has a deep meaning, but perhaps it's not so beautiful? Or art that is beautiful, but perhaps has no meaning? Or do you need both? Or can each one of those three combinations be okay, depending on the person? What are, what are you looking for in art? Beauty, meaning, or it has to have both? I think a lot of times I look at technique. Mm -hmm. I do look at, I do, I look at color. I really look at meaning and, and, and the overall vision of what, I mean, because a lot of art right now, especially within the visionary scene, does seem like very similar to what someone else is doing. You know, they're inspired by it. Sometimes I'm like, okay, I want to see something a little different. You know, really someone, even if it's not perfect, but I see that the potential in that, but it's their own sort of... Flavor. Their own flavor. I'm like, that's exciting for me. You know, it's okay to learn from people and to imitate their style and to really like be in that space, but there's so much more out there. And so when I see someone really tapping into that and then putting that into like a visionary flair or visionary style, I, I'm so excited for them mm -hmm. and for, for everyone because it is easy to just sort of like, oh, that looks like it'll sell. I've got, you know, your standard flower of life and you're, the, you know, there's all these different sort of components that are just like expected it's like oh you know and again things have really shifted in the last few years where people are sort of trying to really emanate their own style but especially with ai influence you know there's all these different things that are kind of coming in so we're going to see such a shift in the next six months <laughs> you know like so much is going to change so i think um i definitely look for meaning and feeling because i i've gone into museums and I'm in a room with a painted black canvas or a painted white canvas or some and I don't get that per se but then doing art history and really trying to figure out this contemporary experience for them I respect that that was the first one 
that was created like that. And I think it's important to really document that because it's just because we might not understand it. Same thing like the art movement now may not understand what we're doing, but they gave us their, you know what I'm saying? We're giving that a chance. So maybe we don't understand certain things that are happening like smoking bunny or, you know, like just things that I might just think, well, what is this? But it was the first and we want to honor that too, so. Mm -hmm. Originality is yeah. important. Yeah, You know, like Andy Warhol. Yeah. Doing soup cans and Brillo boxes. What the fuck? Right. Is that art now? Oh, I fucking cracked your head open and we value that because going right. against the establishment or right. the established art world, Back, exactly that was exactly and so maybe it's it's not that's not necessarily what we're doing but i appreciate someone trying something different mm -hmm. so and honoring that part so so yesterday in the artist panel at uh, the opening on mfeon one of the questions was uh what's our point of view on ai art and we all gave our answers what's your perspective on ai art do you think that's something that is dangerous for normal artists or it will help us become better or put us out of jobs or is it boring is it interesting does it make that any person who never wanted to put years into learning art can all of a sudden do the best painting in the world i don't know what's your point of view i mean i i at this point i'm just kind of sitting back and watching because I'm so just blown away by the process. At first, I immediately was sort of super turned off because I was like, whoa, what's going to happen? I have all these friends. I have all these people that are, this is their life. This is it. Their hands, their creation. But then again, I'm like, but digital artists have been using tools forever. And they didn't paint it with a paintbrush, but they're still artists and they're still painting. And with just because it's a tool, what's the difference? And so. I, I'm not scared of it. It's going to do what it's going to do. And we're just going to keep pushing and keep showcasing the things that we love. And, and if, you know, I, I did have a sort of a conflicted thing earlier. Um, I was potentially going to be hired for this job. Um, and they were like, okay, well, we're going to send you a bunch of artists that we want you to put in the show coming back full circle. Like I'm hiring, getting hired. And they just kept sending me these like really well-known AI artists that, and I'm like, okay, cool. So you have like 500,000 followers on Instagram, but all your art is the same and it's beautiful, but just, you're, you're famous in this, in this realm, but I don't understand it. I don't know what's your vision. Who are you? What do you stand for? What are you doing? Like, I, I don't even know this person behind this, this creation. Not that I'm saying I need to know every artist and what their story is, but, and they kept sending them to me. And I'm like, man, how am I gonna explain this to all of my artists? Like how, like mm. now I have this, these live artists coming to do this event and then they're up against this whole printed wall of AI art. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not ready for this. I wanna slowly integrate this. If, if somebody, you know, Chris Northern is a, a person who's, you know, ahead of the kids doing all this crazy you know work within the ai and and plotting and just such i don't know if you're familiar with chris northern I know, I know. he also did the um fidelities and he he makes music and then also he did the hippie watching guide oh that i know yeah <laughs> and um he 
he's on the forefront of this whole, you know, everything. I'm just like blown away and I'm, I want to focus on that. You know, Blue Tech, you know, there's all these different artists that are music and they... Even Android is. Android, for sure. And there's, but that's inevitable. I figured, I always knew that that would happen for Andrew. Um, I don't know. I think it's, so I'm not going to show this person because I don't know them's work, but I'm going to show Android's because he does, that, that's a, that's a very great, I'm going to really get into that because I've been thinking like, how is this going to go? Like, I haven't had really to deal with it a hundred percent, but we are going to, Mm -hmm. and I really, I am going to try to figure out how to, because I don't want to make my, not make my, but make the artists that we choose to work with feel frustrated or not want to work with us because we're changing with the times. I'm not going to always just do, I'm not going to just look for that only, but how do I like, oh, I don't do that. Because that's tricky. You don't want to pigeonhole yourself like, I only do visionary art. Yeah, no. Like you could do a AI show. You could do a lowbrow show. You know art. Yeah. You got taste. Yeah. Uh, it's taste, artistic taste, good artistic taste. Something that you can learn in school or is that something that's born with you? And who is to say what's good taste and what's bad taste? Yeah, I mean, that's like, that's super individualized. And it's really like you can study and you could really become a connoisseur and really, really, because there's so many things that I didn't know, like little nuances of what blue meant in, in the Renaissance paintings or all these things that I'm like, whoa, oh my gosh. Like that's the stuff I feel like is missing from sometimes in visionary art. If you're self-taught and you haven't taken the time to learn a little historical aspect of past paintings, and you can sort of see that in different artists work who have studied or gone to college or university and had, you know, um, some education behind what it is that they're painting. I don't know if it's like a necessity, but I definitely also see that artists who take the time to study and study and study on their own, you can see a difference in their work, you know? But even say I went to art school for seven years and I know the past and I don't want to do yep. what they did, but at least I know what's been done before and I know what the rules are and I know what, how to break them or do them in my own way. Yeah. Like my school teachers or like my, one of my last college teachers told me, don't use primary colors. That's not cool. That's cheesy. That's bad. And I was like, but <laughs> that's what I like. So I'm going to like do it. And if it's not what you feel is cool, well, too bad because it makes my heart happy. But there's a, large population out there that likes my rainbow that's right palette and hey that's who i am for yeah and maybe not others and that's fine that's okay (laughs) to each their own totally totally so um we're coming to the end of this this conversation would you have some final words of wisdom to the different artists that are tuning into this conversation yeah a don't stop doing art practice every day get out there and really put your heart into it and if it's really what you're called to be doing it's going to happen for you so just keep at it I think it's really like I'm always constantly like you can't just paint every couple days or every week or whatever like you need to do a little bit every day to be constantly improving your skill set um find a community Find your people so that you can paint with them and stay inspired and have support. 
that's like a huge part of this. It's lonely when you don't have a community out there. And sometimes people alienate themselves and it's not on purpose because they just don't have their crew. And luckily with the internet, you can find your people really easy. And if, you know, put a call out, you need, you need the crew, they will support you, but you gotta let people know. Um, the other thing, I think the biggest thing is don't get discouraged if you don't make it in your dream event. First off, keep applying, keep applying yourself. And also too, and I, I think this is the biggest thing I can say to most artists is like, okay, maybe you didn't get into this gallery or this situation, this event festival or whatever. Volunteer, go there and offer to help out. You know, I would say a good portion of the people that I have continually helped, they help me. I help them. I want to create, you know, a symbiotic relationship because this is super hard to do by yourself on all levels. So if we can, you know, offer to hang some lights, offer to work, offer to do something. I'm not saying for free, but like at first, if you're super new at this, Take then you're put in the door. That's right. And I think a lot of times people are scared. Oh, you uh, no. If you offer something that's going to set you aside than just someone who might feel entitled or I belong here. This is my art belongs on your walls. Why aren't you inviting me mm-hmm. 10 years later? Well, what have you done for all of us? You know? So I don't know. I think that's one of my biggest things is so many people might be like, Oh, you never, you know, I've been trying so long. I'm like, have you ever just came at me and been like, Hey, what can I do to help and make this a stronger experience for everyone? Well, there we go. Let's do it. So that I think is my takeaway. From awesome. This. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jen. I love you. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> And I love you guys, and thank you for tuning in to another week of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Please make sure to like, share, uh, comment if you got any comments, subscribe if you're not subscribed yet, and thank you for your support on this humble show, and I'll see you next time. Blessings! Woo! All right. Next episode, Ron English! Because, you know, surrealism, all those guys knew each other and they drank coffee together or absinthe or whatever they, but they hung out and they all knew what he, they, they were challenged and were having a visual and, and an intellectual dialogue with each other. And that's what all the pop surrealists were doing. And that was the last artist created art movement. And you might argue that maybe street art is an art movement, but street art's more like a way to disseminate your art. You know what I mean? It's not. It's a lot of movements together. I mean, pop surrealism. I'm a pop surrealist street artist. In a way. Right. But uh, but the practice of street art is more the way of disseminating your work to the public. I think. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Big thanks, and see you next episode. Peace.